Well, church, it's so good to be with you this Sunday morning. I uh, got some of my friends here with me. Are you guys ready for the word? Amen, amen. We are so excited to be able to bring you the sixth and final message in a series that we're calling Welcome Home Jesus. I want you to get your Bible out. I want you to get ready. You know, I was thinking about the realities of, of and the uniqueness of our situation. Technologically, it's never been uh, easier to invite somebody to church. Never has it been easier to uh, attend church. I mean, uh, it's just so easy, literally the click of a button on your screen. I mean, you can, you can be there in church. Uh, logistically, it's just uh, amazing how quickly we can jump into church and be present. Some of you, it's so easy for you, you didn't even bother getting up. You're still laying this way right now, and you're just, you're just, you open up your phone, it's church time, you didn't even get up, you didn't brush your hair. That's okay. That's the reality of the situation that we're in. That's the uniqueness of this day and this age. That's lot log- uh, logistically and, and spiritually speaking, it's, it's different though. Uh, technologically, we can jump right in, but spiritually, I, and hear this, spiritually right now is no different than any, any other time in human history. Amen. Spiritually speaking, unless you open up your heart and invite Jesus to come in, unless you say, Jesus, I welcome you, it doesn't matter where you're at, it doesn't matter how accessible the gospel is. It doesn't matter who's preaching or if anybody's preaching. If you don't open up your heart and welcome Jesus in, then he will not come in and have his way in your life. And that's what's so incredible about this season that we're in. It feels like it's defined by limitation and cancellation. <laughs> everything's shut down. Everything's closed. Uh, but can I just say the kingdom is not canceled. The gospel is not limited. The kingdom is wide open and Jesus is accessible to us today. So I want to invite you, take advantage of this moment because it's no different than any other moment all the way back to the point of the cross. The Bible says that Jesus made a way. He became the way, the truth, and the life when he hung, bled, and died for us on Calvary's cross. He made a way for us to have access to God. And all it takes is an openness and a desire on your part, on my part. All it takes is a willingness to say, God, I want what you want for me. And I can't think of a better prayer that we could pray than to say, God, I want what you want for me. You know, there are people in this world, I was thinking about it this week, trying to, you know, it's good sometimes to go outside of our own little bubble and, and we get overwhelmed with our own thoughts. But I was thinking about the rest of the world. And the reality is there are people in the world today who have never had the privilege of doing what I'm doing right now. They've never had the privilege of having a building that was dedicated to the glory of God that they could come and worship in. They've never had a sacred space that they could go to and say, that's the house of God. And yet at the same time, some of those people have a vibrant relationship with Jesus. They have an active faith. They have an engaged relationship with the Lord. And the opposite's true. There are dozens, no, there are thousands of people that have spent multitudes of weekends coming into a sacred place, a place that is designated as the house of God, a place where they can come and, and be surrounded by other people in Jesus' name. And yet, thousands of people, having had that same experience many times over, do not have an active and a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and the thought is this. The thought is simply that the reality that, that we're seeing now has always been true, and, that, and it's that the spiritual formation primarily happens in your house, not in God's house. 
God is not limited to a location. And so that's why we're leaning in during this season of being told to stay at home. We're leaning into the reality that if you invite Jesus into your home, things can change. If you invite Jesus into your situation, miracles can happen. Your life can turn. Here's the good news of the gospel. You couldn't get to him, so he came to you. That's what we're celebrating right now. The fact that Jesus can come to us when we can't go anywhere. The kingdom's not canceled, friends. And so I want to encourage you today with this last message in this series, Welcome Home Jesus. And, and I want to invite you to invite someone else. If you haven't done it already in the service, hit the share button. If you're watching this live on Facebook, even if you're watching it later on demand, share it with somebody. It's never been easier than right now to invite somebody into a personal experience with Jesus Christ. So let's leverage this opportunity. Today, here's where we're going. I want to go Old Testament for the first time in this series. I want to go to the Old Testament, and I want to go to the book of Joshua, chapter 23 and 24. And we're really just going to be looking at one one verse, but I, I want to kind of set it up a little bit. Because Joshua, as many of us know, he was the leader of the, the Hebrew people. He was the leader of the nation of Israel. And, and this is the end of his life. It's also the end of uh, the book uh, in his namesake. And Joshua recognizes it for what it is. This is the end of his life. And he's going to give kind of a final address. Like this is his uh, his, his swan song. He's going to give this final address, and he knows he's not going to be alive much longer. In fact, the very first words that he says when he begins his address are in verse 2 of Joshua 23. And he, here, here's, the, here's the opening words. I am very old. <laughs> so, so, I mean, Joshua knows, like, this is, this is the end of my life. I don't have another sermon uh, in the hopper here. I'm going to give this one, and then I'm going to go to be with the Lord. I am very old. And, and in that message, he chooses to do something very important. He reminds the people of Israel about the faithfulness of God. And, and I want to just look at one verse in particular, verse 14 of Joshua 23. He says, and now I am about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your heart and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord, your God, promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. Now, I have no intention of of preaching a message, I am very old, but, but I do want to preach all of God's promises are yes and amen. They have not failed. That's, that's Joshua's message. He says, listen, I'm not going to be here much longer, so pay close attention. Don't forget this. God is faithful to his word. His promises will not fail. They've never failed you. But Joshua, being a discerning spiritual leader, he also recognizes that, that there's some weaknesses. There's some tendencies that he sees in the people of God. And so he, he, he does something. He says, not only is God faithful to provide and to give you all of his promises, but because God keeps his word, I want to remind you of some of the warnings that God gave you. I want you to understand that, that there are some things that will not go well for you if you don't follow God's commands. And so he does something amazing. He goes through and he rehearses the faithfulness of God all the way back to before Abraham. He said, before God called Abraham, your forefathers, your ancestors, they worshiped other gods. 
But then I spoke to Abraham and and God gave him a covenant and and he walks them through the whole story of God's faithfulness through Moses and through uh, the the plagues and the crossing of the Red Sea and and the delivering of them out of bondage in Egypt. And and he takes them all the way through the uh, conquering of lands and and how Joshua gave them all their territories. And, And he comes to this culmination at the end of his message. And it's in chapter 24. And it's verse 14 is where I want to pick it up. He says to him, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Verse 15, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But, and and this is the moment, he's drawing the line in the sand. Joshua says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And really, it's that last statement that I want to really lock in today on. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Why don't we all just say it together? But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. There's three commitments that Joshua makes in this one statement. And I want to just unpack these commitments because I believe this. If you'll make these commitments, it's a... It's a a resolution that can say, Jesus, I'm welcoming you into my home. I'm welcoming you into this atmosphere, into my family, into my situation. And I want to promise you, these commitments will serve as a guard and, and, and a governor for your life. It's going to lead you into the plan and the purpose that God has for us. And the first commitment, if you're a note taker, write this down. The first commitment is a personal commitment. Joshua said this, as for me, as for me. That's personal. And he starts out that way. Can I just say, you're you're never going to make Jesus welcome in your home until you make the first and the primary decision to welcome Jesus into your heart. As for me, Jesus is called Lord. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I say, that's the only title he will occupy? It's like the old uh, saying that's been said, if he's not Lord of all, he won't be Lord at all. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. And and that's when he comes into your life, he comes to be the leader. He comes to be the Lord of your life. It doesn't matter how many pictures of him you have hanging in your house. It doesn't matter how big your Bible is. It doesn't matter how many copies of the Bible you own or how many of your relatives uh, went to the same church that you attend. Listen, he has to be the Lord in your heart if he's going to have resonance in your home. And the greatest thing that you can do for your family, hear this today, is that you would make a personal decision, a personal commitment to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm going to say it again. It's the greatest thing you can do for your family. And I'll explain why in just a moment. But I, I want you to understand from Joshua's perspective for a second. He, he's, he's feeling the urgency of the hour. He said, I'm about to go the way of this world. I'm about to go the way of the grave. I'm very old. 
And he knows that his family needs wisdom. He knows that his countrymen need wisdom on how to move forward. But Joshua is also very aware of this, that when we stand before God, we stand alone. God doesn't have any grandchildren. No, nobody's getting on, uh, in, on the heavenly role because grandma loved Jesus and prayed for you a lot. Joshua understood that when I stand before God, I stand alone. So in this moment, as he stands before all the nation and he recounts the faithfulness of God, he said, every promise from God has been fulfilled in our lives. He said, as for me, I will serve the Lord. He made a personal commitment to God. And the greatest decision that you could ever make, that I could ever make, is to say, Jesus, I give you my life. Regardless of what anybody else in my home does, regardless of what any of my friends or my family or my community do, Jesus, I give you my life. And listen, you might be the only one in your house that's willing to make that commitment. I, I don't know your situation. Maybe, maybe you're surrounded by people that haven't prioritized Jesus, but can I just encourage you, especially if you're in a marriage and, and you're married to someone who hasn't prioritized Jesus. I want to encourage you with this word. Do not make the mistake of thinking that it is loving on your part to hold off a radical commitment to Jesus until everybody else is ready to go along. I'm telling you, friend, that would be a terrible mistake. It would be a mistake for you to think that somehow you're being loving by, by watering down your faith, by loving Jesus less for the sake of other people. Listen, the best version of you, the most loving spouse you could be, the most loving parent or grandparent or mentor or neighbor that you can be is the version of you that is radically committed to Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to tell you why. The Bible tells us clearly in John chapter 13. Verse 34 and 35, Jesus said these words in John 13. He said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, he said, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So, so Joshua makes this commitment. He says, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. As for me, regardless, regardless of what anybody else chooses to do today, it starts with a personal commitment. And Jesus said, this new commandment, now they had like 600 plus commandments they were trying to keep up with. So when Jesus says this new one, he's not saying, hey, it's 631 now. No, he, he was saying, I'm giving you a commandment now that fulfills all the previous commandments. This is it. I, I'm boiling it all down to one. Here it is. Love one another. And then on, on the same night, same conversation in John chapter 14, Jesus clarifies in verse 23. He says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and he will come to them and he will, we will make our home with them. In other words, this is what it looks like to welcome Jesus into your home obey my commands. That's what he said. If you love me, obey my commands. And if you obey my teaching, then my father and I will come and we will make our home with you. Well, what is the teaching that we're to obey? He just told them, love one another. And so when you say, Jesus, I make a personal commitment, even if nobody else is ready to come along with me, my commitment is I'm going to love you with all of my heart. Now that Christ comes and makes his home in your life, you have the 
capacity and the ability because of the spirit of Jesus that lives inside of you, you can now love your family better than you could have without Jesus. The most loving thing you can do for your family, for your friends, is to make a personal decision today to say, with or without you, I will serve the Lord. You know, I've noticed this about myself. Anytime I get frustrated with my family, and yes, that happens, even for preachers. <laughs> Anytime I get frustrated, I, I, can, I can think of a dozen things that, that I would like for them to change or stop doing, like in that moment. Like it's amazing how quick we can fix everybody else, right? I, I can think of the things I want to change about them. But I've also noticed that if I stop and I pray for my marriage, if I actually stop and I pray for my children, the Holy Spirit never adds to my list of things to change about them. <laughs> he always speaks to me about my faults. Anytime I pray for my family, anytime I pray for my wife, the Holy Spirit doesn't reveal all of it. He doesn't say amen to all my complaints. He, he actually shows me the things I can do to adjust. He teaches me in that moment by his spirit how to actually love my family better how to be a better husband, how to be a better father to my family. So that's what I mean when I say, look, you could never love your family more than you do when you're in love with Jesus because the Holy Spirit teaches us. So when you say like Joshua said right here, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord, then you're saying, regardless of what anybody else does, I'm all in with Jesus. Can I just say to all of us, Jesus brings out the best version of ourselves. That's what he wants to do. He wants to bring out the best version of you, the best spouse you can be, the best employee or employer you can be, the best son or daughter you can be. He wants to bring out the best version of who you are. So if you're going to improve your home, it starts with a personal commitment. The second one is this. The second one is a leadership commitment. Not, not just personally, but Joshua said, as for me and my house, that's leadership. As for me and my house. Now, I can't speak for your house. I don't lead your house. I, I, I lead my house. You know who the leader is in your house. But we need to make a leadership commitment. I, I love uh, what Margaret Thatcher said about leadership. She said, being a leader is like being a lady. If you have to tell people you are one, you're not. <laughs> and so you know who the leader is in your home. And when Joshua stood there that day and made this statement, he was, making, uh, he was making a parental statement. He was making a leadership statement. I thank God that, that I didn't have to decide if my family was going to serve the Lord when I was a kid. I, I, ne I never had that put on me. That was not an option for me any more than going to school was an option. Like I, We didn't debate if we were going to church. That was something our family did. You just went to church. My, my option was, am I going to enjoy living in this house or not? <laughs> that was, that's what I got to choose. Do you get to like it or not? But I didn't get to make the decision as to whether we were going to be a family that served the Lord. Why? Because my parents said, this is a leadership decision. As for me, my dad said, and my house, my mom said, we will serve the Lord. I remember when I was a young teenager, we moved to a new house, and uh, one of the first nights sleeping in the new house, I had a new bedroom, and uh, first time I didn't have to share a room with one of my brothers, and, and, and I was in my room that night, and I got cold, and I remember uh, thinking, 
Well, the thermostat is right outside of my bedroom door. So I got up in the middle of the night. I went out into the hallway. I found the thermostat. And I thought logically, like all teenagers do, uh, what does a nice warm temperature feel like? So I just turned it to 85, you know, (laughs) just that... That feels like a nice warm summer day and I'm cold. So uh, let me just say, the next morning I learned really quickly, I do not set the thermostat in my house. My dad taught me that lesson really well the next morning. I don't set the temperature in the house. And so I want to ask you when it comes to the spiritual climate in your house, do you set the thermostat? Are you the thermostat or are you the thermometer? Because the thermostat decides what the temperature is going to be. The thermometer just responds to it. And what Joshua does in this moment is Joshua says, I'm the thermostat. As for me, but also for my family, we're going to serve the Lord. And you know what? I don't think he checked with the kids when he said that. I don't think Joshua was like, I'm very old. I'm about to die. Everybody listen close. As for me, are you guys good with this? (laughs) Like, no, he didn't do that. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Last week, I, I talked about the, the uniqueness, the, the struggles, and the opportunity that, that parenting during this quarantine can, can be. And it is tough. I mean, it can be a challenge. But I, I just want to say to the parents, this is a time, if there ever was a time, this is a moment that we need to make a leadership commitment in our homes for our families. I mean, I, I'm I'm proud of our kids' ministry. I was thinking about everything that our kids' ministry and our youth ministry are doing right now. I mean, they are like never before. They are going above and beyond to try to connect. They're trying to resource our families in our church, and and I applaud them for their efforts. I'm so grateful for our our ministry teams that have just leaned in to the, the limitations of this season and said, we're going to minister to our families. But this whole stay-at-home order, it has revealed something that that we've always known to be true, and and that is that reality, that the spiritual formation, it happens in our house more than it happens in God's house. And and as much as we want to try to uh, resource people, as much as we want to try to give you opportunities uh, to connect and do things, parents are the gatekeepers. Parents are the ones that decide. And, And it's up to us in this season like never before, to recognize that God is calling us to not just welcome Jesus into our homes on a personal level, but on a leadership level, and to say, as for me and my house. You know, when I think about failed leadership in the home, the person that comes to my mind is Lot in the Old Testament, uh, the nephew of Abraham. Lot, his life was, was marked by compromise. Lot was the guy that said he loved the Lord, said he was among the people of God and he believed in the the goodness and the promises and the blessings that God had for his people, but Lot just kept compromising. It started out by just an interest from a distance in the city of Sodom. The Bible says he pitched his tent toward Sodom and then beyond an interest, then he moved towards the city. He started doing business at the city until now we find him at the city gate. In Genesis 19, Lot is living there in the wicked city of Sodom, and he's getting ready to give his two daughters in marriage to two men from the city. 
compromise after compromise after compromise until finally the Bible says in Genesis 19 that an angel, two angels actually, of the Lord show up in the city and they tell Lot, listen, this city is so wicked, God is about to destroy it. You got to get out tonight. You got to get out of the city tonight. Now, I want you to see what happened in, in verse 14 of Genesis 19. Just one verse out of the story, and I believe this is a, a snapshot of his life. It says, so Lot went out and he spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But look at what it says next. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. How sad. In, In other words, Lot had compromised his, and forfeited his spiritual leadership so much, so many times, that when he finally got to the place that he was ready to lead and, and give spiritual direction, they thought he was joking. They didn't even take him seriously. They, they laughed about it. And, and, and a lot of people, I think, maybe they feel that way. They feel like, man, I, I, I've kind of forfeited my, my platform here. I don't, I don't have the leverage or the authority to, to, to speak into my family's life. But listen, that's why it begins with a personal commitment, a personal commitment that says, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. And can I just say, if you failed in this area, if you feel like, you know what, I've, I've blown it. I haven't done a good job of really leading my family spiritually. Here's what you need to do. Repent. Repent to God first. And, and then repent to your family and, and teach your family that, that God is a God of grace. That's one of the, the greatest messages of the Bible, that God is a God of second chances. So if you feel like you've blown it, just repent and say, listen, guys, God is so faithful that when we don't get it right, he gives us a chance to redeem it and get it right again. And, and I'm going to do my best to lead this family in the things of God. I haven't done it right in the past. I'll probably fail again in the future, but God is a God of grace and he loves us even when we don't deserve it. And that's why he deserves for us to follow him and and step in to that position that God has given you. Listen, there's no perfect parents. Nobody's getting this right all the time. Don't kid yourself. Don't disqualify yourself from this group. I mean, come on. There's no perfect parents. Nobody gets it right all of the time, but God is faithful Make a leadership commitment today. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The third commitment is this. The third commitment is not a personal commitment. It's not a leadership commitment. It's a collaborative commitment. Look at the verse one more time. Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't say this. He didn't say, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord and my family is too. No, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In other words, it's together. It's about doing this thing together. We're going to serve the Lord. And can I just say, there's a big difference in uh, cooperating and collaborating. A big difference. I'll give you an example that everybody's going to understand. The Democrats and the Republicans cooperate. Okay, they cooperate, but it is a rare, rare moment when we see collaboration happening across the aisle in Washington, right? There's a difference. I mean, think about it. They're both operating within the same kingdom. 
They're all a part of the United States of America, all a part of the same government. They operate according to the same constitution, but within being a part of the same governmental structure and operating by the same constitution, they all have a different agenda. They all have their own conflicting desires, and they're all a part of a vicious, never-ending power grab cycle that just keeps going around. And so instead of collaborating, they're tolerating each other, they're cooperating with each other, but, but having collaboration in a political climate is, is like a unicorn. I mean, you just, you just don't see it. But think about it. That's how it is a lot of times in the spiritual climate with some people, even within some families. I mean, we're all a part of the same kingdom. We're a part of the kingdom of God. We all have one Lord. We all have the same constitution. We all live by the same book. But the reality is, too often, we're not collaborating when it comes to welcoming Jesus into our home. We're not working together towards the same goal. I, I love uh, Zig Ziglar used to teach about uh, leadership and, and working together, and he would use the, the metaphor of Belgian horses. Zig Ziglar would talk about a Belgian horse and how big and powerful and strong it was, and he would say one of these horses can pull 8,000 pounds. But what was amazing about the horses is if you took two Belgian horses and you put them together, two that had never worked together, never been trained together, and you put them together and caused them to pull together, the the two that could individually pull uh, 8,000 pounds could not just pull 16,000 pounds, but they could pull three times that. They could pull 24,000 pounds, two Belgian horses that never worked together just because they were pulling in the same direction. But what was even more amazing is he explained that if you actually trained them, if you taught them how to work together, if you coached those two horses, then their power was exponential that two horses individually being able to pull 8,000 pounds could collaborate and pull four times as much, 32,000 pounds of strength. That's the power of collaboration. That's the power of getting in unity. That's the power of getting on the same page. And that's God's intention for our families. There's something that is absolutely incredible that can happen when we come together and live out our faith in the context of relationships. By the way, that is God's plan for every one of us. Whether you're in a home all by yourself or whether you're, you're uh, packed in a, in a houseful. God's plan is that we all live out our faith in the context of relationships. That's why God said the only thing in in Genesis, in the creation account, the only thing that God said was not good. In, in, In a perfect society, in a perfect world, with a perfect man created in the image of God, God said it is not good that man be alone. Now, he wasn't talking about marriage He didn't say singleness is not good. I mean, Jesus was single. Jesus was perfect. Paul the apostle was single. He wrote half the New Testament. God was not just talking about marriage. He was talking about relationship because man was created in his image and God has always existed. Father, Son, Holy Spirit in perfect relationship. And God said it's not good for man to be alone. So listen, even if you don't have a family, when you are born again into a relationship with with Christ, and that's the terminology that Jesus uses, you're born again. In that moment, you're born into a family. 
I, I quoted this verse last week. I'm going to say it again. 1 John 3 and 1 says, how great is the love that God has lavished upon us that we should be called the sons and the daughters of God, and that is what we are. That's what we are. That's the, that's the incredible blessing that we have, that though we make the decision alone, and it has to be a personal decision, we don't live this faith alone. We're a part of the body of Christ. And in this quarantine season, that, that's been a challenge. It's been more of a challenge than usual to be a part of the family of God. But it's also been very revealing. It's revealing in the sense that there's so many things that two months ago we thought were so important that now we realize like those things really don't even matter that much. In fact, you know, a lot of businesses in our country and and around our world, they're totally changing their business models because they did things the same way for so long until they couldn't. And then they realize, why are we doing it that way? We don't have to even do that anymore. And so there's so many things that we realize are, are not even essential. But at the same time, there's things that we all took for granted. There's things that in these last two months we've realized are so precious to us, are so valuable. We'll probably never, we'll never take them for granted again. Because now that we, we can't have them, you know, distance really has made the heart grow fonder. But I want to say one thing that has always, always been essential to the people of God is community. It's, it's community. It's being able to gather together as the body of Christ. Listen, hear me as I close. If your family is saved, you ought to celebrate. You, you've done something right. You, you've led well. Your family has made a personal decision to follow the Lord, and that's incredible. But can I encourage you? Don't stop leading. Don't, don't stop leading. Accepting Jesus into your heart is not the finish line of faith. It's the starting line. It's where we begin. I want to challenge you. Set the spiritual climate for your home. Don't be the thermometer. Tell tell your teenager, like my dad told me, you don't set the temperature in this house, (laughs) maybe physically or spiritually. Get your hand off the thermostat. (laughs) But listen, make up your mind. I'm going to set the spiritual tone. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Can I challenge you? Let's go beyond that. Determine this week to make a collaborative commitment. To not just say, I love Jesus and, and my spouse loves Jesus. I love Jesus and my kids love Jesus. Or, but to say, we're going to love Jesus together. We're going to build each other's faith. And I want to challenge you to do that. Let me, let me just give you a, a couple questions to consider. What, what are some things that you can do this week? to choose to collaborate with your family in your commitment to serve the Lord. How about this? Why don't you pray together? Husbands, wives, pray for each other. Now, I I know that most Christians go, oh, I do. No, out loud. I mean, oh yeah, get crazy. Pray out loud, like that they actually hear you. Pray for each other. You know, right before we started this message, this group that's sitting with me began to pray. It's been a long time since I just stood in a circle with brothers and sisters in Christ and heard somebody else pray and even pray on my behalf. God's given you an incredible gift in your own home. Pray for each other. Do it with your kids. In fact, have your kids pray for you. You might be amazed at what they pray about. Challenge them to pray 
for you to pray together. Share your needs with your family. Don't just pray that now I lay me down to sleep prayer. Don't just pray, God bless the meat, let's eat. Let's, let's actually share our needs with our kids. Give them an opportunity to collaborate with your faith and encourage one another. Here's a question you can ask. E- even today at the dinner table, a- ask your family this question. What have you been reading lately in your devotions? Or what, what do you think God wants to teach us in all of this. Why don't you throw that question out at the dinner table and begin to collaborate on your faith together. Can I encourage you, if if you're maybe by yourself, take the effort this week to connect with the body of Christ. I, I know it looks different in this season than it has in other seasons, but the church is equipped for this season. We could, we could have never done what we're doing right now in any other generation. But today, the kingdom is advancing. So you gotta think about it differently. But, but don't, don't let isolation be an excuse. Don't, don't let being alone limit your ability to have iron sharpen iron as one man sharpens a friend. Lean into relationships. Connect with somebody this week, whether it's... Uh, you know, virtually over your phone, but just connect with somebody. Be a part of community together. Let's make a decision today. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So listen, I, I want to pray together. And, and right now, our online host is ready to pray with you. If you are ready to, to lift up a need in a gathering, even a digital gathering, I want to encourage you. Put that prayer request in the comments. Let us pray with you. Many of our church members, they're logged on with you right now. We want to pray together. We want to encourage one another. We're going to pray. And and let me just say, if you've never made that personal decision, don't put it off, friend. Don't wait. Today is the day. God's grace is available for you. You could say, Jesus, welcome home. I give you my life. I give you my life. Welcome him into your heart. Watch him change the atmosphere of your home. But I, I want to do something a little bit different right now than what I've done in the previous weeks. If you're watching this and you're actually with your family right now or with someone else, you're not alone. Can I encourage you, instead of just engaging in the chat and, and watching what everybody's praying about and praying those prayers, we're about to play one more song. We're going to sing a song that says, I just want you and nothing else. I just want you. It's a song of prioritizing our hearts and our lives back on Jesus. If you're sitting with someone right now, I want to encourage you while we sing this song to pray for them, to invite them to pray for you. Let's collaborate on our faith together right now. Father, I pray that if there's anyone that's watching this service and they don't have a relationship with you, that God, this would be the moment that they step across that line of faith, that this would be the moment that they open the the door of their heart and they say, welcome home, Jesus. I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior. I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. God, in this moment, we celebrate with them. We celebrate with them because the Bible says if even one person comes to a relationship with you, that, that all heaven rejoices. So God, we join in that celebration. And we thank God for what he's doing in your life today. 
Come on, as we sing this last song together, let's just take some time to collaborate our faith. Let's go before the Lord in prayer.